A 2018 study from the Music Industry Research Association found that 50% of musicians reported battling symptoms of depression. That's compared with less than 25% of the general adult population. We wanted to find out why. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Untangling the Courts, a podcast from WFUV News and Sound Minds Live, focusing on the relationship between music and mental health. In this podcast, mental health experts, advocates, and musicians will share their expertise and experiences on the issue of mental health and provide practical advice on how to handle mental health challenges. In this episode, we're talking with Al Andrews. He's the founder and executive director at Porter's Call, a nonprofit organization based in Franklin, Tennessee that provides free mental health services to musicians and their families. Al, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. So what's the mission of Porter's Call? Well, Porter's Call is a nonprofit that aims to offer support and encouragement and counsel to recording artists. And um, everything we offer is free to the artist. Free to the artist. How can you manage to offer services for free? That's a great question. <laughs> um, actually, we raise uh, we raise money. My board raises money, um, mostly from people who make money from healthy artists. So, uh, managers, agents, record labels, folks. That's taken us. Oh, 18 years to, to grow that, but we started very small. But um, we actually don't call ourselves a charity. We call ourselves an investment mm. uh, because um, companies have come to realize over the years that if they have healthy artists, it's good for the artist and it's good for the company. It's good for everybody. And so um, we found at the very beginning, because a lot of people that I began to work with just didn't have the money to go to counseling. Not, not a lot of people do, but especially if you're starting out. And um, we wanted to make it um, affordable. And so it's free for anybody, whether you make $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. And we feel like that's a good, a good thing because it just takes that off the table. Prior to starting Porter's Call, Al was a practicing counselor, but he worked with a variety of people. I asked Al what led him to working with musicians specifically. In 1997, my family and I moved from Colorado, where we, my wife and I were both counselors. And we moved uh, back to the south to Nashville. And uh, I started a private counseling practice in Nashville. And after about, oh gosh, six months, I noticed that most of my practice was music related. At one point I had a drummer, a backup singer, um, a record exec, a manager, a bus driver. <laughs> it was like I could have started a label or something. But, um, but I, I kept wondering, is that just Nashville or is it something else? And so I just kept going and more and more, I think because of the, the first people I saw were in music and there's just a network that they tell each other. And um, by the end of that first year, um, I had a number of artists and that would be touring artists who are out on the road. And I just began noticing some things about being with them as a therapist. One was at least the group that was seeing me at the beginning, um, they, they couldn't, they don't come regularly. 
uh, when I went to counseling and when my wife and I went to counseling, we went every Tuesday at 11. And I've never met an artist that can come every Tuesday at 11 ever. Um, and because of their schedules, they just couldn't come regularly. And um, I felt like as a therapist, I wasn't getting traction with folks. And also, um, I, I, I recognized some unique things that were going on with touring artists. And that would be a struggle with either too much fame or not enough fame. A struggle with way too much money or not enough money. And I'm not sure which of those is difficult in either situation. But they, those are not, not unique to the artist, but the fame thing is everybody struggles with money. But, but other things just seem to be unique to the artist. And I just thought uh, I wanted to see if there was something that I could do that would maybe meet a, a growing need that I was seeing in the industry. And frankly, it started out as an entrepreneurial venture where I thought, what if I went to five labels? and just ask them each to buy a day of my counseling practice and I'd be available to uh, them, their artists for no cost. I first went to uh, EMI, it was uh, EMI Christian label and I uh, talked to them and uh, Peter York and Bill Hearn there and they both said, yes, we'd like to do that. I basically said, you know, you guys are spending millions of dollars on getting people out in the road and famous and we're watching them crash and burn and everybody's losing. Would you be interested in spending some money on their hearts and souls as well? And they said, yes, which really surprised me. And I didn't really know what to do because I had no business plan, <laughs> but they tried it for uh, three months as a test period. And at the end of three months, they came back and said, something is happening that's really good with our artists because artists were able to come and sit down with me and they could sit for two hours and then I'd shake hands and they'd go away and they didn't have to hand over the going rate. And um, they had a place to go other than management or other than the label to to tell things that were going on that they might be afraid to tell them. And mm -hmm. they're, um, for, for a very good reason, um, it's often a very suspicious group because people use what they say and put it in the magazine or whatever. And so- um, I would also think there's fear that your label could drop you if you're talking about these challenges. Right, right. Oh, definitely. Especially if you just do something stupid like we all do and, and tell somebody about it. Or maybe if you're dealing with an addiction and not sure what to do about it, you're frightened with what they're going to do. So you're right. They needed a private place to come. And um, after three months of that, they came back and said, would you be willing to start a nonprofit? Because we really think that something's happening with our artists. They have a place to go. And um, we do believe that if this was a nonprofit, that we would be glad to begin to shake the trees in the industry and get our colleagues to be involved in this. And so probably three to six months later, we started a nonprofit called Porter's Call. And that was in 2001. And gradually over the years, it's grown very slowly and incrementally uh, to where now we have um, 
uh, two, uh, two other people working with me and uh, an office manager and we're filled up with phone calls <laughs> and meetings all the time, yes. Porter's Call offers a variety of services for musicians and their families. Al and I talked about what treatment looks like for the musicians and who they are. Generally, it's, um, it's people coming in, spend an hour or so, and then um, taking off and coming back. But more and more, we're trying to spend several hours with a person because you can just get more done and because often they can't come regularly. Now and then we'll do something we call an intensive that would be spending four or eight, four or eight hours with an individual or a couple because they're just not able to be in town very much. And so we can do that as well. Who is eligible for your services? Uh, right now, our eligibility, we've had to kind of pull in the fence a little bit because everybody, uh, everybody in Nashville does music of some kind. <laughs> But really, since we were initially started and helped the investment with the music industry, um, our, we, we say that if you make your primary income from touring your own music, you're eligible for Porter's Call. And so that's very difficult because a lot of people do music and a lot of people are very talented. And frankly, um, a lot of people tour but maybe they're a backup player for uh, the artist that's signed. And so we're just not able to see everybody because free counseling for musicians is a rare thing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so we have to kind of limit it to somebody who's doing their full-time living, touring their own music. They don't have to be signed. We see a lot of independent artists, but independent artists that, make their living by touring their music. And do they have to and, be from your area or can they? Uh, no, they don't. Um, we've, in fact, during this season, obviously we've been doing a lot of uh, virtual meetings, Zoom meetings, actually we changed from Zoom uh, to another one, but, but we've done that and that's kind of expanded um, the, the people that call us and has given people the idea. So I would say 90% of the people are from Nashville in all different genres. But um, as word begins to spread, um, people sometimes come through town and see us while they're in town and plan ahead. Or we can do meetings um, over, over the internet. And that, that's growing, but it's not as large as we'd love to see it one day. I was looking at the testimonials on your website and you've worked with a lot of people, including Hillary Scott from Lady Antebellum, mm -hmm. who led a mm -hmm. testimonial. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, we, we only talk about who we see if they're willing to talk about it, <laughs> you know, and people have been very gracious to um, put their names out there because that helps other artists um, trust us and come as well. For any of us, including musicians, it can be challenging to open up about mental health struggles. But when people do open up, it can be extremely beneficial to others. Al talked about how he's seen this openness develop throughout the years. Yes, and it's their, their choice because basically, I think when we started Porter's Call, um, metaphorically, people would wear bags over their head when they came to see us. <laughs> because 18 years, 19 years ago, it was still not real cool to go to to get help um but jump 
through these years, now artists are saying to each other, have you been to Porter's Call yet? Almost the assumption that we all are crazy. Uh, and I, I will raise my hand <laughs> to be first. We, we just all, we all need help. We all need somebody to talk to. I have somebody to talk to. And, and, and I think artists themselves are, are realizing that um, this is a very um, complex vocation that they're in. You know, they're, they're on stage and people fantasize what they're like. They see them at their best and they think they're just amazing. They, they have not a problem in the world and they get to ride a bus and it's cool and all those things. And, and they know who they are. They, they, know, they know the struggles they have. They know that the realities of their life. And sometimes it's hard to bridge that distance, even for the artist or for the fan. And for an artist just to be able to have a place to go where they don't have to be on stage and can just say what they need to say, deal with what they need to deal with and know that we don't have an ulterior motive. We're, we're not, we don't need to use them for anything. And um, we're, we're just not impressed and that helps. Um, we like music, but we don't need to be impressed with people because that doesn't help anyone at all. What's the meaning behind the name Porter's Call? Well, it's, a, uh, it's something my wife found. She finds all the good stuff. Um, there's this old, uh, centuries-old document called, uh, that any Catholic uh, listener would know about. It's called the Rules of St. Benedict. And it's when back in 500 AD, um, uh, this fellow named Benedict and a group of people really started one of the first monasteries. And they wrote a rule about how, they, they wrote a bunch of rules about how they were gonna live their lives. Like they were gonna, rule number one might be, we're gonna take care of the poor. Two might be, we're gonna pool all our resources. Uh, three might be, we're gonna pray three times a day, whatever. They have all these rules and one of them, I think it's 66, <laughs> <laughs> is inside the gates of our our monastery we shall place a porter and a porter was to be a wise old man ta -da, uh, uh, who's and it says a wise old man who's finished with his wandering days uh, and and his job the porter's job was to when a sojourner knocked on the door he would welcome them with a call saying, welcome in and help them find the way to what they needed. So if they needed food, he'd feed them. If they needed um, rest, he'd give them a place to sleep. If they, it says if, if they needed wise counsel, he'd offer wise counsel. If they needed prayer, he'd pray for them and on and on and on. And so we thought, well, instead of being therapists to the stars <laughs> or whatever, um, what if we were porters? We're trained as therapists, but what if we were porters? And that is when an artist knocks on the door, we help them find the way to what they need because they're, they need a lot of different things. Sometimes it's just someone to talk to about just what's going on. Sometimes it's, um, uh, maybe I'm struggling with addiction. Sometimes it's relationship problems. Sometimes it's, um, I just have a grievance I need to talk about. Sometimes it's tensions within the band. And so we just kind of let them knock on our door and go, welcome, and how can we be of help? And um, 
so that's where the name came from. And it seemed to it seemed to fit us better than being therapists. So yeah, that's that's where it came from, and it. It's a place of hospitality, and that's what we want to be. As we've learned from this series, being a musician is a profession that comes with its unique challenges. Porter's Call is clearly a refuge for people dealing with these challenges. Al offered some final words about what he wants people to know about his organization. Over the years, we've probably had 3,000 different artists or their spouses come through our doors. And that would be an artist, a couple, a band, because uh, bands are just like a large dysfunctional marriage. <laughs> we, we say we do marriage counseling with bands. And um, about 40 artists, artists or their spouses a week uh, come through our doors uh, for help. So we've, we've really found that, um, that people who live a very public life need, need a private place to go. And we're glad to, glad to be that for them. So... I appreciate that analogy too, because I don't think a lot of people necessarily see that, but a band is a family and that family has dynamics that sometimes need to be addressed. Oh yeah. And especially if it's a whole group of guys, because we just don't tend to do well with things like that. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it is a family and they live in close quarters and they travel together and they're gather all the time and nobody, I don't care who you are, um, doesn't have issues that they need to deal with and to even try to help people learn how to uh, disagree in a, in a way that is helpful or deal with the issues. It's, it's a unique thing. Yeah. Well, I'll thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, I'm glad for what you're doing. Next week, we'll bring you our last episode of Untangling the Chords. We'll finish up our series with Peter Jampel. He's a music therapist who's seen firsthand the healing effects that music can have on those struggling with a mental illness. Thank you so much for listening to Untangling the Chords. If you or someone you know is struggling with a mental health issue, we have a list of free resources at soundmindslive.org resources. You can also enter for a chance to win a $50 iTunes gift card by completing a short five-question survey about untangling the chords at soundmindslive.org resources. A link to the survey is at the top of the page. I'm George Bodarki. Our writer for this episode is Rebecca Gutierrez. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you next time.